Welcome to the SSPX Podcast, delivering sermons, lectures, and the spoken word from across the English-speaking world. On this episode of Questions with Father, we're speaking about Advent, the time of the liturgical calendar that is devoted to preparation for the coming of our Savior. Father will answer questions submitted by our listeners on the topic of Advent, ranging from the history of Advent itself, why it's four weeks instead of 40 days for Lent, as well as suggestions on how to make the Advent season more advantageous for children and families. We'll also discuss the not-so-commonly-known origins behind one of your favorite Advent songs. All this and more is coming up on the SSPX Podcast. If you would like to support the SSPX Podcast, please visit sspxpodcast.com and you can make a donation there. It is free to listen to, but we hope that you can support this endeavor. It takes a great amount of resources. So a monthly gift of $10, $20, $25 will help us immensely. And if you're unable to donate, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and rate the podcast. Leave a review and a rating, and that will help more people to see the SSPX podcast in their suggested podcast feed. With that said, we'll turn now to Father Robinson on the topic of Advent. Well, we are here with the SSPX podcast, a special edition, I guess we could call it, Father Robinson, where we are tackling one topic this week with several questions, and that topic is Advent. Hello, Father Robinson. How are you? Doing fine, Andrew. Very good. And uh, you are in Denver. You're the prior of Denver, as we've already discussed, and currently traveling around a little bit, and we appreciate you making the time uh, to talk with us about these topical questions as we head into Advent. Glad to be back on, uh, Andrew, and I, I think this is uh, an important subject of coming up on this liturgical season of Advent. This is just such a rich season. There's a lot we can profit from, I believe. Absolutely, and, and it's not one that's, you know, like Lent, where it's kind of all-consuming, but it is uh, a season where we can, like like you said, Father, gain some, gain some profit and, and prepare a little bit. Uh, and we reached out to our faithful and, and invited them to submit questions on, on the theme. Are there any things you wanted to know about Advent that you didn't know or any advice that you'd like to ask Father? And so we'll dive right in with the first one on, on that theme, Father, which is uh, preparing. Uh, are there any good meditations for children, uh, a mother asked, or dinner table discussion topics for kids to get them in the right mind for Advent? Well, I um, probably a lot of our listeners know that, that Angelus Press just a few years ago produced a, a book by a, a society priest in France, um, Father Trodek. He was the rector there in, in Flavigny, um, the seminary in Flavigny, for a couple of decades. But he put together some meditations from Advent to Epiphany. Of course, there's books for the other times of the liturgical season. Um, I, I read the book myself. I find I found the, the uh, meditations quite helpful. Um, and I, I think parents could read that book themselves and get some ideas about how to sort of discuss Advent with their children. Um, and obviously, the liturgical year by, by Don Garanger is, is um, the go-to resource for, for anything on the liturgical year. Um, so the, the first volume of the liturgical year by Dom Garanger is really fantastic to help us understand how the liturgy um, forms our spirit at, at the time of Advent. You know, there's different times of the year where the liturgy um, is more intense. But right now, we're, we're sort of after the, the Feast of Pentecost, we go to the Sundays after Pentecost, and, and it's, it's really a, a bit of downtime in the liturgical year for um, liturgical intensity. But things ramp up considerably when we get to Advent and we start the liturgical year 
of course, with Advent. So um, it's, it's a very rich season in the liturgy in the sense that there's, there's a very careful crafting of, of the masses and also the divine office is very rich. So um, there's a lot to be gained by actually studying the liturgy during the, the time of Advent. Absolutely. And, and those, are, those are great starting points. But taking a step backwards, is, is there, we, we can read the liturgical year in, in, in these books and kind of start to piece together some things. But what would you say, Father, is kind of the, the guiding principle or the overriding theme of the season of Advent? Well, the theme is just simply one of, of anticipation. Advent, of course, means a coming. So we're waiting for the coming of, of our Lord and we're, we're waiting with this, this sort of um, joyful anticipation. And, and I think it's important to um, point out and, and something sometimes I preached about that it's a spiritual good that we're looking for. We recognize that, that we are sinners, that without a Redeemer, we're completely and utterly lost. We know that God has promised that He's going to send us a Redeemer. And we have this period um, where we wait. And we're, we're confident that the, the promise of God is going to be fulfilled. And we're begging God to, to hasten, to, to, to come quickly. Um, there's so many times during the season, during the office, where there's this very lovely anxiety on the part of the church, where, where the church is, is saying, you know, come, Lord, don't, don't delay, don't take your time, you know, hasten, come quickly. And it's just repeated over and over again. And meanwhile, there's various things that the liturgy does to help us sense the absence of our Lord. You know, the, 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 the name of our Lord is kept out of the, of the uh, conclusions of the collects. You usually hear per Christum Domine Rostrum, but, but that's, that doesn't appear in the collects for the Sundays of Advent. Huh. The masses of the Advent Sundays are repeated during the week. If there's a ferial day, the priest has to repeat the Mass of the Sunday, so that keeps people in mind. If people are going to, to Mass during the week, um, they just get that same Mass over again and helps keep them in that, that Advent mood. Um, and then, of course, St. John the Baptist is, is kind of uh, pretty dominant during the, the Advent season in the sense that he appears in the Gospels and he has this uh, preaching of, of penance and preparation. I mean, he's, he's preparing, of course, the Jews for the coming of our Lord. And um, we, the liturgical year, the church uses him to prepare us for the coming of our Lord as well. We're sort of in tune with the liturgy, with the, um, the Sunday Masses, the weekday masses and the even the office itself, um, we were able to to really foster this good spirit of anticipation of the coming of our Savior. And and is the church in in setting up the liturgy the the way that they have done so? Is it sort of mirroring the anticipation that people had for the the coming of the Savior for those four thousand years or so uh, until the birth of our Lord? Are we kind of doing that same thing in just the four short weeks? I mean, there's kind of a parallel there. I don't know if it was done on purpose or not, uh, but you know, with the four weeks and the four thousand years, but. Is that are we kind of mirroring that same sort of thing, reliving that same sort of anticipation, just in a much shorter time frame? Yes, and I mean the the whole liturgical year represents the history of the world. The time of Advent is is the time before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it can be you know represented by by four different periods um, of four weeks. I mean, some you know obviously 
the longest advent would be four complete weeks. The shortest advent would be three weeks in one day if Christmas falls on a Monday. There's certainly the, the intention on the part of the church to think of ourselves as before the coming of Christ and waiting for, for him to come um, during that Advent period, however long it is. And you were talking about the liturgy of the Mass, Father. Are, are there other places within within the liturgy uh, that that people can gain some some merit and and some insight into the the proper feeling of the season? That sounds that sounds really modern. The feeling of the season, but uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, lay faithful don't don't normally or don't often uh, recite the divine office or read the divine office. Is there anything in in there that maybe we could pick up uh, and read or or look through during this season? Yes, um, and as I say, really, um, you'll find all these things in the liturgical year by Don Karen Jay. But those who are praying the office as priests to really get a sense of the increasing anticipation as we get closer to Christmas. So the the church, as it were, gets more and more uh, excited about the coming of our Lord as we draw closer to Christmas. And there's this very beautiful practice of the church to to have special antiphons for Vespers for the basically seven days before Christmas Eve. So from December the 17th to December the 23rd, there's there's a different antiphon. This is this is a just a, a very short verse that precedes the praying of the Magnificat. So you pray the Magnificat whenever you pray Vespers. It's sort of at the very end of Vespers, you always pray the the hymn of Our Lady that Magnificat, and it it has an antiphon. Okay. Usually, the antiphon is just a standard antiphon um, that's the same for each day. But for these seven days, from December seventeenth to December the twenty third. Um, the, the church has made a special antiphon where we address our Lord with a special title each day. Um, there's there's a title of, of our Lord as Emmanuel, uh, our Lord as as King, um, our Lord as as the the Rising Sun, um, our Lord is mm. as the the Key of David, um, our Lord is the Root of Jesse, um, our Lord is Adonai or like the Hebrew word for Lord. And then our Lord as wisdom, of course, our Lord is the incarnate wisdom. In, in each of these antiphons, they repeat the word veni several times, um, come and save us. And something very interesting about them is that if you take them the, the first word from December the 23rd back to December the, the 17th, they form uh, a bit of an, uh, an acrostic in Latin. So uh, if you take the first letter of each word, they, they form the Latin words arrow cross and and that would mean i i will be here tomorrow so when you get done you know you've, oh, wow. you've spelled the words arrow cross um, which means i will be here tomorrow um, so it's just a very beautiful practice and at the seminary we would we would put up the the letter the one letter for that day each after vespers after we had prayed vespers you just put the letter on the board and and slowly but surely you build up uh, the words arrow cross and then you, then you're like, wow, um, Christmas, I think is is almost here. And and just to get back to the original question about helping helping the family and helping children get prepared for uh, Christmas, that would be a, a really neat visual aid. Uh, you know, something that that's tangible, you know, almost like an advent calendar or something, or or an advent wreath where you're counting down. Uh, you could do the same thing with even post-it notes or something on the wall. You know, counting that out—that would be really neat to do with the family as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I think that's something very beautiful that can be done with with the children. Um, I, I think it is important, of course, to to explain to the children what Advent is about. But 
um, I, I think the the visual tools have a, an even greater impact. So if if the family has an advent wreath um, where they they have the the four candles and they only want light the one candle the first week, um, and perhaps mm-hmm. you know you have your family rosary, you turn the lights off, and you, and you light the candle and the candles lit during the family rosary, and you can sing a, a verse of of Okomo Komi Manuel, for instance. Um, which, which is in fact, uh, believe it or not, the, the Okomokomi Manual has seven verses and they're, they're just a, a translation, English translation of those, of those antiphons that I was just talking about. Um, so, oh, really? Yeah, you can, you can read the hymn Okomokomi Manual and it's just, uh, um, you'll see the seven names that are given to, to our Lord. Um, so it's, it's a way for uh, the faithful to, to relate to that. Uh, if they don't say the, the divine office, they can come in touch with the divine office just by getting out the Okomokomi Emmanuel and looking at all the verses. Um, so maybe singing like a, a different verse of it each night. You know, when, when I was growing up as well, and, and they have them still today, is the, there are the, the advent calendars as well where, where you have all the days leading up to Christmas and you open like a, a different door on each day and there's something in there, maybe there's a piece of chocolate or, or some sort of image that's in there. Um, yes. And I think these are, these are just excellent tools to create that spirit of anticipation and, and to, to give the children the sense that something wonderful is, is going to happen, um, the, the coming of our Lord, and we are, we are getting ourselves ready and we're, we're even very much looking forward for the coming of our Lord. That's wonderful. Well, moving on to another question from a mother who wanted to know about preparations for Advent and also for Christmas. She said, everyone is is against celebrating or preparing for Christmas until uh, just the day of or Christmas Eve. She said, but I'm sure Our Lady didn't wait until the day of to set up her house for her child. Uh, Father, do you have any thoughts or meditations on that? Well, I, I think there is there's a distinction that she's making in there um, between celebrating and preparing. And, that, and that's really the important distinction. Advent is a time of preparation. It's not a time of celebration. So if you're doing things that are preparing for Christmas, then that's good. I mean, I know some people, they set up their tree and they just don't put anything on it or they don't adorn it. So you have an unadorned tree. And then as you get closer, perhaps you put a few more things on the tree and, and the, the gifts only go under the tree like on Christmas Eve, something like that. But the, the main thing is that they keep the spirit of preparation and anticipation before Christmas arrives, that they don't go into celebration mode. We don't want to go into celebration mode where we're, we're walking around with candy canes and seeing joy to the world, you know, um, a week before <laughs> Christmas starts. <laughs> because we just, if we right. do that, we've just ruined Advent. So the church gives us a time of celebration and a time of preparation. The time of preparation is Advent, the time of celebration is, is the 12 days or even the 40 days of the Christmas season. So that's the important thing. I don't care if you put up the tree, you know, beforehand, as long as you, you put it up in a spirit of preparation um, and not a spirit of celebration. So that makes sense, Father. So, so putting up, you know, some some holly or some wintertime or, or Christmassy decorations around the house before the before the Christmas season starts officially, uh, not a big deal there. But as long as we have the the mindset internally and also with the family, with the children, letting them know that well, we're doing this to prepare for Christmas. Uh, and and again, I, I'm I'm thinking back to. Uh, to the, to the original question. And I, I know my mother and, and other families I know are the same sort of way of, well, church says we can't decorate for Christmas yet, but holy cow, it's 
December 24th and it's crazy and I can't do it all. And, and I don't think that's, that's what you're saying. Father, the church is, doesn't say you can't decorate for Christmas, you know, on December 20th or the 18th, as long as it's done w- with a mind towards not starting the celebrations on the 18th, 8th, you know, November 5th. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, as I say, it should be, it should be very sober and, and, and you, you can do a sort of two stage decoration where um, initially the, the, the you have these wreaths that are unadorned or a tree that's unadorned and it's very sober and, and you don't ramp up the, the decorations until you get closer to Christmas. And even just having an unadorned tree might help the, the spirit of preparation. They see the trees there, but they see it's it's just not adorned. And I, and I, I think it is very important for the children to understand that we're, we're, we are celebrating the coming of Christ. And so the giving of gifts is is just for us to imitate God giving himself. So so the real gift of Christmas is our is our Lord. God gives himself to us by by coming on this earth and we want to imitate that giving of uh, of God himself by by giving gifts to to one another to explain the symbolism be- behind the exchange of gifts. Um, that it's not just uh, a way to to make sure Walmart stays in business. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's much more to to um, indicate the spiritual significance of of Christmas, and that you have the greatest gift of all is is our Lord, and so we want to imitate His generosity by giving gifts to one another. Oh, that's beautiful. Another question about uh, about Advent. And I, I'll, I'll confess, Father, I didn't even know that uh, that Advent wasn't always the time period that it was. But the questioner said, why do we start Advent on Quadragesima? Why not the old-fashioned Martinmas, which is, I guess, referring to the Feast of St. Martin? Right. I don't know what they're talking about with, with Quadragesima. I, I don't know if, um, if, if they might be confused with the Lenten period. I'm not sure what they mean. But it is true that in a certain region of the church, it was just in, in France, they did have a practice of starting Advent on the first day after the Feast of St. Martin. So the Feast of St. Martin is November 11th, and then uh, four days after that, effectively, you you have the Feast of Christmas. And they, they called it the Lent of St. Martin because it was 40 days, and uh, the people fasted three times a week during that, that time. Um, they also abstained from meat for for the whole time. So that, as I say, that was a, that was a local practice in in France. I mean, Advent is one of those things that that didn't exist from the very beginning. It was just sort of a liturgical custom that appeared certain places and slowly spread to the universal church. So it's it's not like there there was a standardization that took place from the beginning. I mean, it slowly but surely became standard, and, and and where we got at least in the in the Western Church the current practice where we start Advent on the Sunday closest to the Feast of St. Andrew. So um, Advent can start as early as the 27th of November and as late as the 3rd of December. That's the, the current length. And as to why why that practice of France did not become the universal practice, why, why didn't we make Advent sort of parallel to Lent, where uh, Advent was 40 days, Lent's 40 days. I, to be honest, I, I don't know the, the answer to that, but I, I suspect, I strongly suspect that the church did not want to make Advent to, to seem to be the same as Lent. Um, there might be a little confusion if we made Advent 40 days and we made it as pen- penitentially intense as Lent is, um, because the fact is that that uh, Lent is 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 a more uh, intense penitential season. We're we're really 
focused on our sins and the death of our Lord. Whereas Advent, we're just preparing for the coming of our Lord, and we're doing penance in order to dispose our souls like those um, disciples of St. John the Baptist were doing penance, and he was saying, repent um, and do penance in, in order to get ready for the coming of the Messiah. So that's, that's just not um, as intense, intensely penitential as, as Advent, and so I think the church doesn't, doesn't want Advent to be um, so intense in that regard as, as Lent is. And, and as much as it uh, counts, Father, I think Holy Mother Church made the right decision in putting it after the Feast of St. Andrew, not St. Martin, but I might be a little bit biased there. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, St. Andrew is a great saint, um, and I, I'm sure he, well, thank he deserves you. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, you touched on this a little bit, Father. The the season it it is of preparation. It's it's not a as much a, a penitential season. Uh, could you talk about that just for a minute? What is what is the difference there? And and I get the differences because we're we're preparing for the the coming of our Savior, uh, and it's not a, a a more sober season as as Lent is. But is there a difference between uh, doing penance in preparation versus doing penance in Reparation? Could could you say that the penances during Lent are, are more of a, almost a reparation, or is is there a way that we can look at, at the sacrifices or penances we make during Advent and Lent differently? I guess that's my my broader question. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the Advent is like a long vigil. You know, I mean, um, you have big feast, and um, the day before the big feast, you would you would have a fast and an abstinence, just recognizing that that if you do that, you're probably going to be more spiritual on the feast. Just the practice of of um, abstaining from food the day before um, will will make you more spiritually ready for all the graces of the feast itself. So. If you extend that to to four weeks um, before before Christmas, that spirit of the vigil, that's that's kind of what Advent is like. Um, we we want to really dispose our souls for the graces of the feast and for the coming of our Lord. We receive Him in the best dispositions possible, and that that is a very different thing from saying, "Okay, we're going to have forty days, and we want to uh, make up for our sins. You know, do reparation for our sins." And we want to enter into the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, recognizing that he suffered for us. So I want to willfully do some acts of, of suffering, of, of penance and mortification myself in order to unite with his sufferings and his death. Um, so it's, it is a very different optic. And obviously, we, we wouldn't want to, to, to make the, the preparation for a big feast to seem as a, an equivalent to uniting with the sufferings of our Lord. Obviously, we want our, our penance to be more intense when we're uniting with those sufferings and doing penance for our own sins than if we're disposing our souls for, for a feast day, a big feast day. Well, Father, thanks. That, that helps a lot just to help us get in the mindset and, and understand some of these things uh, a little bit better. And, and while we're on the topic... Uh, preparing for Advent and, and Christmas, are there any favorite celebrations or, or traditions that you had in your family for for Christmas that is special to you? I have to confess that it, I'm just um, an addict when it comes to to Christmas songs. I mean, it, it amazes me how many Christmas songs there are, Christmas carols, and the intrinsic appeal of the nativity scene. I mean, it's just, just something about um, the scene of our, of our Lord in that cave at Bethlehem that, that always touches us and creates that 
I don't know, that, that special Christmas atmosphere and motivates every generation to, to break out in song. And, and so I just, uh, I think it's a very good practice for families to just get together and, and sing Christmas carols and, and to, to learn these Christmas carols. A lot of them have very beautiful verses um, that, that speak about the coming of our Lord um, to, to go through, you know, four or five verses of, of a song. Um, it, it, it does help to, to learn these songs, to, to have the practice of singing them when you're, when you're growing, growing up, and um, to have them as sort of a part of your, of your Christmas celebration. And if we, if we just pass up those, those songs, we don't sing together as, as a family, I, I think we're really missing out uh, on a lot. That's, a, that's great advice, Father. And maybe uh, on the next episode of, of the podcast, we can, we can dive into uh, some of the symbolism and the meanings behind some of these Christmas carols. That would be a fascinating one, just like uh, the uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I didn't, I didn't know that it was taken basically from, from the liturgy, from the antiphons. That was, uh, that was fascinating. So would love to chat some more about that, Father. Yeah, I thought you were going to maybe suggest that we would have a sing-along together, you and I, uh, for some Christmas carols, but, but we can do that other thing instead. That's That'd be fine. <laughs> Father, you, you have a beautiful singing voice. Mine, uh, no. Uh, we would lose <laughs> listeners real fast. <laughs> well, Father, as always, thank you so much for taking the time and, uh, and for diving into some of these questions uh, as we come into Advent. Uh, I wish you a blessed Advent, Father, and, uh, and hope to t- chat with you again, maybe even before Christmas. Okay, that would be great, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to this episode of Questions with Father on the SSPX podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast just by going to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever podcast app or program you're using. This will help more people to see the podcast in their feeds. Until the next episode, thank you for listening and God bless you.